Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? Today we are covering one of the most infamous American mysteries. Who is D.B. Cooper and what the fuck happened to him? This is a Patreon-requested topic from Steve. From time to time, I will be randomly asking for the patrons checked into Room 237 to input their most desired topics and selecting just one to cover. So don't miss out on these amazing amenities provided during your stay in Room 237. It's never too late to check in, and there is a link in the description of this episode if you'd like to make your reservation. So, the team from the Cleveland Schwill podcast joined me to discuss this mystery, and I hope you enjoy this episode. A special thanks to Room 237 guest Steve for this awesome request. Now, to find more from the Cleveland Schwill podcast, you can also scroll down to the description of this episode and click the link. And there is also a link to the new, brand new Cosmic merch. So, with that being said, I'm very excited to jump into this one. Let's get right to it. Um, Brian, do you want to open us up by telling us this true crime story you have straight from the heart of Cleveland? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a true uh, OG gangster now. Mm-hmm. I've been inducted into the Gangster Hall of Fame. Yep. On Christmas night, I uh, awoke to a to a clap. Actually, so Tara wait was up when it happened, and she heard something when she was going to the bathroom. And uh, she comes back and she wakes me up. She goes, "There's something that happened outside," and I was like half out of it, and I just like waddle over, you know, with my eyes pretty much stapled closed over to the front door, and they got big quick because. I opened the door and I knew instantly. I go, somebody shot our front door. And it was like some type of bird shot that had sprayed all over the side of my house, busted out my front storm window. And uh, I was like, I'm going to go outside to see if they've done anything else. And lo and behold, I come out to the back and the back of my car, the back windshield or the back window was completely blown out. And I was like, here we go. Here we go. Now I'm totally wired. Now, Kara, the second I turned to her and said, "Uh, somebody shot our front door. She's like, I'm calling the police. So by the time I got outside, to be honest with you, it took maybe five minutes and the police were out here. Really? And, uh, yeah. And I started talking to them. And I'm like, so has anybody else reported anything like this happening? They're like, um, no. 
Because this is like, <laughs> this is 30 minutes after midnight on Christmas night. So like all the kids are tucked away in their beds and everybody's ready for Christmas morning. And, and here I am like talking to a detective and I'm going to tell you guys how this works. And I don't think it's bad how it works, but this is how it works. You just get done with this. You're like basically high on adrenaline. You're sitting down. They come walking in. And these are the first questions I ask you. What type of drugs are you doing? What type of drugs are you doing? What? Because, yeah, because right yeah. away. Yeah. It, are you, Who didn't you pay for drugs? Oh. Or who's mad at you? Yeah. Who's yeah. mad at you? Then you're sitting there. And he's like, I'm going to get uncomfortable. Who else are you fucking? Who else are you having sex with? Who else, are, you know, because we're going to wow. find out. Wow, man. That, but but, but this stuff is crimes of passion or drugs or and they're not thinking random. And, um, now, they sent officers out there checking behind everybody's house and all this other stuff because you don't know if the guy's on foot. Then. um. My neighbor across the street, his ring camera picked up who did it. Like, they saw a car, so it was a drive-by. And uh, they drove by, they shot out the back window first, and then shot my front door. Like, so they drove, turned around. It was a 2010 red Kia Soul, which is stolen all the time for stuff like this. And they're like we're probably not going to find this person because these people steal these cars all the time to do this stuff. Well, lo and behold, Kia Soul? Mm -hmm. they're really easy to steal. Something mm -hmm. with the, the way that, that it is. I actually don't know. Cause I'm not in the business of stealing them. <laughs> so, but something, you know, like apparently this is a real thing. And, uh, but if you guys want to know a couple of things, you want to know about Big Brother. Big Brother is watching because they found this person because this car was still registered. <clears throat> still registered to him. He did it in his own car. And our city, our city takes license plate pictures of every single car that drives into the city and leaves. Wow. So they knew immediately who it was. 12-15 at night. A red Kia Soul on Christmas night drives down the street and, you know, it's probably the only car, <laughs> you know what I mean? And they got the license plate, uh, especially something easy to spot, like a red 2010 Kia Soul. And uh, they once they arrested him, he admitted to it. And I, I think they have a couple other people in custody. Uh, he's only 21 years old. But listen to this laundry list of places that they just found. I don't know if you guys read about it or heard about it. He started by shooting a place in Rocky River, shot three houses in Westlake, shot my house, shot a McDonald's, shot a Taco Bell, shot a garden center. And then he went to a very high ritzy uh, shopping area, Crocker Park. And just started shooting out expensive cars' windows. One of the oh. cars, he, he like shot out this Land Rover window. And it was like 
3500 or four grand replacement just mm. for the one so i was i was guy a big... on fucking drugs yep he's a crackhead there my has to be it, there has to be something it, here it is you ready my son knows him went to school <gasps> with him same age as my son my son knows him and his friends he hasn't spoken to him in four or five years, but my son knows him. And, I uh, just, it's its crazy. I mean, I, who just, first of all, if it was just a target of your house, fair enough. Who just gallivants around a place like that? I mean, dude, it's like you said, Bay Village is a place where you go, so you know you will never deal with that ever in your entire life. <laughs> like, uh, honestly, that's how you should... The preface that story was, I live in the safest city that's ever existed on the planet. When you sometimes you move out of the hood and the hood comes to you, you know, what you, <laughs> that hood life follows you. Yeah. So, uh, that's so just your insane. son knows the perp. Yep. Did yep. he say he was a real piece of shit? Well, he didn't say he was a real piece of shit, but let's put this together. No job. 21 years old, gets angry if his mom tells him no, steals money out of her purse, and all he does is smoke weed and play video games all day. And he crack, obviously. He, he probably should have chosen to do that on Christmas night instead of what he's doing. I do know that, that anything over $1,000 in damage is considered felonious vandalism. Yeah. Each one of these counts, he's being hit up in three or four different cities. Um, so 10 different counts of felonious vandalism because each each count was more than a grand worth of damage. So here's what I was thinking too. You know how this works. He's going to, he posted bail for two grand. My question is this. One person said to me, so what you're probably going to see because he lives in Rocky River they're going to get him a real attorney. The attorney's going to try to plead down the, the charges out of felonies. But to do that, they may have to, the court would be like, all right, we'll make these misdemeanors, but you have to pay every family every dollar of the damage that you did. Yeah. Um, and that is going to cost him, his family, a fortune. They're going to have to like yeah. mortgage their house to do that. To the 10 counts. Yeah. I mean, you're probably looking at like 40 grand. Okay, well, but dude, I wouldn't. The, the Range Rover alone. I wouldn't I want the little shithead in my house. I would just let him take the L and go to jail. Well, and his parents might do that. I mean, maybe his parents have been dealing with this. Like, get a job. Get out of our basement. Go to school or get a job. Do something with yourself. But you're not going to. But here's the whole thing about people that don't do anything and just sit around all day. Is eventually they get bored of doing that and they're like, I gotta make a name for myself. I know how I'll do it. I don't know, Brian. He, he that's like that's like some real like disturbed ass activity. Yeah, like on Christmas night. It's on just Christmas like Christmas night. It just thought it feels so weird that somebody well, would do that. I don't want to implicate anybody that I don't know, but my son said one of the people he hangs out with. This this Foster is his name. Hangs out with, without me giving a name, 
is a Muslim kid who's got a real hot head and like that Muslim kid, he don't give a shit about Christmas. He's not doing anything on Christmas. And yeah. this kid white people all the time. And and has something against Evan as well. Oh my God. So Jeez, if that guy was man. in the car with him, but I don't know that. Nobody's telling me that, you know. But and we started putting the pieces together. Now, all this stuff is like well over a couple years old. So could it have been random? Yes. But I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't know. You guys think that's a coincidence that my 21 no. son knows this no. dude? No. no. Especially if, not, if not they knew all. where your son lived. They just paid yeah, your house a visit. That he has a problem with the guy's good friend. But, um, you know what I mean? So you're going to have to keep and us you're looking updated at on this. And you're looking at a kid who doesn't celebrate or a man, I'm sorry, 21 year old man who doesn't celebrate Christmas. It means nothing to him. Yeah. He, he's not sleeping. And, you know, he don't care about presents or anything. He's going to shoot up your house. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So that, that boring old DB Cooper now. <laughs> 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 thanks a lot for setting us up for success brother you know you know he who who was shooting up houses in the db cooper story nobody but he did jump out of a plane well i will after, say it's the exact after releasing hostages he had enough respect <laughs> to do that unlike <laughs> these clowns well, D.B. Cooper hasn't been caught in 50 years, and this guy got caught in 50 minutes. Yeah, see? <laughs> We're talking about D.B. Cooper was a real professional. He wasn't a fucking crack-headed kid. But uh, you know where I got my interest for D.B. Cooper? That movie Without a Paddle. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny. I did... Comedy, yeah, yes. it had uh, it had Matthew Lillard in it, and the the and oh, yeah. Seth Green, Seth Green, Matthew yeah. Lillard, guys, was set famous because he was in the first Scream movie. So a lot of people, yeah, the best, you know, the best horror movie, the best horror movie of all time. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. he, played, and he was also, also in a in a good horror movie. Matthew Lillard was in a good horror movie. I think it's called 13 Ghosts. I yes. Yep. I really yep. like 13 yep. People hate I, that. I really love 13 Ghosts. It's one of my favorites for Halloween. And, and he was Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that dude like ruined sure the world for a couple of years. I'm sure he wants to forget that, Dave. Thanks for bringing it up. Matthew, <laughs> if you're listening, we don't believe you actually played that role. <laughs> He was a really he was good awesome Shaggy, though. He played yeah, the shit out of it. But 100. I actually, the the way that I found out about it, and the only reason I have an interest in it is because of that movie, Without a Paddle, because it was these kids going on a treasure hunt to find DB's uh, stash of money. Yeah. And um, a spoiler alert, they find his skeleton at the end of the movie and they say that DB broke his legs on his landing and he burnt all the cash to try to stay alive Yeah, in the, in the middle of the winter where he landed. And that was the end of the movie. 
but in yes. real life, that is not where, what happened. Where, where did they, and, and without a paddle, where, where where did it take place? Was it in Canada? Washington, mm, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was somewhere north, for sure. I think it, I think it was like Washington State. It because I think everybody... Because it, it was interesting to me to learn about money that was found in like 1980 that they believe uh, could have belonged to D.B. Cooper. Uh, but it was in like Vancouver area. I Ooh. might be yeah. So are you talking I, about the money they found by the river? Yeah. Was that was that, that was Vancouver? Vancouver? Mm. Yeah, I, I have a river. Uh, oh, but it was Vancouver, Washington. That's what I I, I just yeah. Looked at. There you go, Washington and, State. Uh, yep. I actually have a kind of a cool little story about that. And um, I'm going to tell you guys in a minute. And it's so after I tell you, you're going to be like, of course. But I, I just wanted to say first, I really like without a paddle. I think that it sparked the interest of a lot of people who had never heard about D.B. Cooper before. And this topic was given to me by a Patreon listener. And there is no one better than Brian and my brother Dave for a good old unsolved mystery. <laughs> so, yeah. Did I just, you know that this is like a Netflix like documentary? DB Cooper, I demand $200,000 in ransom money. And like we look at that today and we're like, what, what are you trying to go to McDonald's? What? what what's <laughs> Why you demand? Just pay this guy. He's, he's he needs bread and milk. He needs, they the probably guy. had that. They probably had that up in the cabin with him <laughs> in cash. <laughs> Just call Joe Biden. He'll write you a check. To say, <laughs> what are you? What are you worried about? But you know, guys, uh, two hundred thousand can't even buy you a half a house now. No, I mean, no. You can't you can't do anything with with two hundred thousand, but it is estimated to be worth one point four million in twenty twenty three. There you just, go. So that, that makes sense. Before, though, but he must have thought about it and was like, you know what? Why instead of me asking for some insane amount, why don't I ask for an amount that they can actually get me, and then I'm out of here. Yeah. I can live off and that you can carry. I mean, look how hard it was to carry even that much. Look how hard that was to carry. Yep. Well, you you know, if they were smart, they'd be like, yep, give it all to them in ones and pennies. Give it to them in ones and pennies. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He hijacked a plane between Portland and Seattle and he escaped with 200,000. The stewardess, oh, and then, of course, he parachuted out of the plane and God knows where he fucked off to. But the stewardess on the airplane said that he drank bourbon and Coke the whole flight to calm his nerves. And so a lot of places will serve you a bourbon and Coke and call it a D.B. Cooper. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to try a a D.B. Cooper sometime. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool, though, because, you know, everybody has their signature drink, and I guess he was just pounding back, like, Coke and and bourbon, just well bourbon, (laughs) and um, 
they actually said he was kind of pleasant that he asked the stewardess have you eaten today do you need to grab a snack i'm just chilling just drop to make sure her blood sugar was up so <laughs> the plane didn't crash so he could get it <laughs> the way that he announced himself too was like kind of slick he wrote down a note on a little piece of paper he handed it to the stewardess and she balled it up and put it in her purse. She was like, oh, this dude's trying to give me his telephone number. And he tapped her on the shoulder and was like, yeah, you better read that note. I got a bomb here. And she was like, oh, shit. And so she pulls out the note. And obviously, he's letting her know I've hijacked this plane. And she sits next to him for the whole flight. And he's like, hey, are you hungry? You know, I just want a good old Coke and, and bourbon. I'm about to jump out of this bitch. Thanks for your great help for the flight this evening. And he, uh, I guess he wasn't too unpleasant other than the bombs he had strapped to a detonator. Yeah, that's what I had heard too, was he was just sort of like all business. And I, I think that's part of it, though, is like, I, I think why Americans can can sort of and he's kind of become this this hero to people in in a lot of ways because it's like he he stole his money from the man basically. Yep. He didn't want to hurt anybody. He didn't hurt anybody. He let all the hostages go. He let and all the hostages go, but we got Mexico City. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, he checks every box for the American outlaw cowboy Billy the Kid. You know what I mean? It's like he didn't want to hurt anybody. He's just here to get his money and get on his way. And it's like, so he's become romanticized in a lot of ways because of that. Yeah, and I think, so Netflix put out a documentary on D.B. Cooper last year. And I'm sure a lot of people have actually watched it and they identified like 10 suspects, which I'll touch on very briefly because none of them were actually able to be solidified as in the area or they had an alibi or there was something off about each suspect that couldn't directly link them to being D.B. Cooper. But I want to kind of skip some of the bullshit and tell you guys my theory Oh yeah, we're just getting to the good part. Head on over to the Cosmic Peach Patreon and make your reservation to room 237 to enjoy the rest of this episode. Not sure how to get there? Simply scroll down to the description of this episode and click the link. Or go to patreon.com slash cosmicpeachpodcast. There is also a Patreon app if you're interested. What's in room 237? Well, thanks for asking, Danny. But a great caretaker never reveals their secrets. See for yourself and uncover bonus content, extended versions of episodes, Patreon-exclusive 10% off code for all merch, early access to every single episode, sneak peeks, or behind-the-scenes content, and whatever else I'm in the mood for. There are plenty of amenities to enjoy while you are checked in to room 237. Take a trip up the Sidewinder and stay a while. You can check out anytime you'd like, but you can never leave. <laughs> Just kidding. 
Thank you in advance for supporting the show, and I can't wait to see you over there.